G'day everyone, welcome to the Unbox Your Gift podcast. I'm your host, Rita Joyan, and this podcast is all about how to turn your passion into a profession. And I've got someone here today that I have wanted to have on this podcast for a very long time because she has a body of work that speaks to those of us who, you know, have gone to school but maybe we weren't the top of the class. Maybe we weren't the teacher's pet. Maybe we just kind of struggled a little. And we always kind of thought, well, why is it that I'm behind? Why is it that so many students are better than me? Or why is Mrs. Jones putting me in the lower reading class? And that mentality kind of drags with us through adulthood where we think we're just not enough. And my guest today had a passion of creating a body of work that would help create individual curriculums for students in years three to 12. And how to really, can you believe it, get out their genius in that student. And that is something remarkable, which is why I've got Christina Aloisio, I hope that's said that correctly, into the podcast today. So Christina, welcome to the Unbox Your Give podcast. Thank you, Rita. Lovely to be here. Thank you. Now, I've just given a little brief understanding of what your background is, but tell me your, your um, foundation, you're the director and the founder of Lemur Wellbeing. How did all that start? What, create, what, was, what instigated this new frontier of teaching that you do? Yes, from a young adolescent, my vocation I always knew was to teach. Um, so I entered schools as a very young girl and even at that stage of my life and career I found it quite frustrating that schools were unable to adhere to individual needs of the students and moreover their well-being. And um, so I moved from different types of schools that being Catholic schools to private schools and equally the same loopholes stand. Now, I don't negate the wonderful work of schools. However, I just see it as an impossibility of a school institution to be able to cater to personalise education and also to oversee the well-being of a child. Okay. So you were a school teacher back yes. in the day? Wow. You were, you were a school teacher and you're in the system, you've been through the system, and you're seeing that there isn't this well-being that you want to add so what gives you the audacity to think that you because this is what we all kind of go okay can I do something like this am I enough am I good enough how did you overcome your own hurdle to start something or did you have a hurdle to start something like this yes it, it took quite some time of research um lots and lots of research and also studying my master's in educational leadership just to ensure that it was the right move for me and that perhaps I could achieve this goal by being the director or a principal of schools. Now through my academia and also moving up the ladder in schools, I still felt quite disheartened that I was unable to really touch the lives of a child in the way that I think I had the capacity to. Mm -hmm. um, so it did take um, over a year of research to develop La Mer Wellbeing. I founded the, the model which encapsulates that in order for a child to live to their full capacity, really we need to oversee their psychology, their nutrition and their education. So we encompass all three capabilities at La Mer. And so how do you do that? How, when a student comes in, how do you make sure that all three key things are looked after? Give me, like a, give me a snapshot of like a curriculum, for instance. 
That's a great question, Rita. Each student has their own personalised portfolio of learning, so it's upon rigorous assessment and evaluation that's perpetual throughout their stay. Each student that walks through the door are known, so it is different to a usual um, private enterprise for supporting schools. They are known um, through meeting with the parents and often we liaise with their teachers and support staff at their schools as well to ensure that we we provide and that we create the very best portfolio of learning. Now that is integrated with the Australian curriculum, so we make sure that we're overseeing and ticking the boxes of mandatory teaching. Um, in addition to that, we do offer complementary wellbeing classes for students, and that involves student yoga, uh, nutrition, and some positive psychology classes as well. Uh, putting all that aside, some students do not require academic tuition. They come and see us for cognitive development therapy, which really is well-being in itself. And sometimes we're not, we're not required to oversee academia at all. In that case, in that case, it's more of a clinical um, type service that we offer in terms of psychology and at times nutrition as well. We have wonderful, I, I feel grateful every day for the, the wonderful staff that I have and that work alongside to make this vision come to fruition. We have wonderful teachers and clinical psychologists, nutritionists, and also beautiful um, creative arts teachers as well. Wow. So when a student comes, this is really exciting. So when a student comes, they obviously go through an assessment as to what their needs might be. That's correct. And then from that assessment, you will see whether they need the nutrition, they will need the well-being in terms of academia. You will make that assessment. Have you ever had a student that needs academia or needs uh, cognitive therapy and they've just said, listen, I probably, you think I need that, but I don't. Have you ever had that challenge of a student saying, I don't want what you think I need? Yes, often, often that does happen at times. I think as long as the parents are in partnership with us, we overcome that hurdle with ease. We often find that it's a very gradual step. So um, I can't stress enough the importance of parent partnership. If they're on our side, then it, it very it can we can very easily over oversee those hurdles. And often in those cases, students are seeing us during school time. So we we um, we look at the school and and provide permission from the school to have them see us during school hours uh, to ensure that they really are, they, they're in a quiet space and they're also, um, where, where um, they're not in any way feeling threatened or shy perhaps at the idea of, of being supported. Most of the time with um, humility, we're able to get there as the staff that we are when we see the children. So in, I think in majority of cases, and, and again, um, the importance of the parent support as well, we're able to make that journey um, and to provide that support that they really require. So at what point, because this is really interesting, Christina, at what point does a parent, would they realise that their children would need extra support in one of those pillars, like the nutrition or their well-being in terms of their physical aspect or in terms of academia. I mean, obviously, academia is like, you know, you need maths tuition or you need English tuition, like that's normal. But how would a parent come to realise that they would need a school like yourselves, a supplementary support like yourself? Most of the time, I would say perhaps 95% of the time, it's referrals 
So it could be a conversation on a, a digital platform, let's say, where parents reach out to other parents to ask for advice on where to go, where can I go? And in many cases, it's a, it's a referral. Sometimes it may be that they, um, they come to me for, for an idea or a, an idea of support that they may think. And then upon looking and assessing, the, the child's need, we then really pinpoint what it is the child requires. So sometimes the parents may not even know that upon contacting us. Okay. So parents are talking one, with one another about, you know, how their child is going or how they're not performing as what the parent would like. And another parent is saying, well, actually, why don't you try Lemur? I mean, try them out and see what they would say. Is that, is that how the conversation, the referrals come in? Yes. No. So this is what's really interesting to me, Christina, and that is that when how long ago did you start this 2016 oh yes. my so it's just like it's a baby it's like it's a newborn baby <laughs> oh, wow that's yes. so did you in the beginning did you promote did you market did like just to get it up hardly and ever. yeah hardly ever we haven't marketed much at all i think for me the point was to take it slowly obviously there were many policies procedures practices that we needed to to put in place and that's that was just mammoth and knew we had to take it slow so nature has just taken its course and we haven't we haven't very executed much marketing at all wow congratulations uh, on the success that's that's big that's gigantic um, when you talk about going into schools because i know there's a lot of people who are listening and when they want to start an idea to go in partnership with something like an institution called school that's a big ask to get the student to ask permission to get them out of school to come and see you was that a big like negotiation task like would that take months was that something very simple that happened yes it's a great question um in all cases um teachers have promoted the idea and they've welcomed the idea because obviously they're in a situation where it's an impossibility mm. for them to drive to the needs of the child um, in a student in, in reality where the class is at least a classroom of 25 mm. to 30 children. So it's embraced and it, it helps them and it, it is a partnership. So we work together and that's through um, me sharing our reports and evaluation and to and fro. Wow. So are you like a workaholic, Christina? Like are you like, there's a lot of work involved in this. Like this is not just, you know, like this, this is like serious stuff. Like, I mean, everything is serious, but this is like, you know, you're accountable to schools, to parents, to the student, to your own conscious. Like there's a lot of half things. So, are you a workaholic? <laughs> <laughs> My family would probably think I am. <laughs> I don't consider myself a workaholic. Um, I try to have a balance of uh, family life as well and friends. Um, I must say, I think I am no different to the way teachers work in schools. I think they work ridiculously long hours and we nowhere near a nine to three job for them. And it's not a holiday, those two weeks, it's um, a term break for the students. And, and I recall being in a, um, as a classroom teacher in there on the holidays as well. So I think, um, I think it's, it's um, I guess, an applause to all mm -hmm. professionals that are involved in education today. And it never stops, you, you really, and that's where it just keeps going and you can keep going every day. There never seems to be a close of file. Yeah. Totally, yeah. totally. But I'm interested to know the two things. Number one is when you were seeing that well-being was absent in the school curriculum, which is why you wanted to start something of your own, did you yourself have an inkling that 
you were probably misplaced in a school setting yourself? Absolutely. I, yes, yes. It was at times difficult and I did feel like um, around, I guess, a, an unsuitable environment. However, having said that, at the quality of schools that I worked at, the top independent schools, I felt um, still inspired every day because I was working around like-minded directors of school and professionals. And that, um, that was always, uh, it was just a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when the students come in and what I, what fascinates me and I wish I were in year three or four just to be able to go to something like this because to have individual attention I think is so remarkable and someone to care so deeply as to create a curriculum for your DNA like that's really what you're doing when you create a curriculum for individual students how many students do you have at the moment there's over a hundred there's been more than 200 that have come wow but each one of those people have little bodies or big bodies and you being 11 and you 12, they've got their own set, you know, curriculum. How do you, like, do you just set the curriculum and they follow suit? Do you tweak it as they go along? How does that get, does it get reviewed? Do they, when they change or when, you know, what, what, how, how does that happen, that individualized curriculum? Yes, okay. So we begin with an individual free assessment with the parents. So we meet with parents and the student, obviously. Then we formulate what we call an IEWP, which is an individualised education and wellbeing portfolio. Now that's, that again, I can't stress, is, is so linked and, and it marries beautifully with the Australian curriculum to ensure that we are ticking the boxes and that they are reaching the mandatory outcomes for their age and year level at school. Um, in addition to that, we then put our own curriculum um, into, into their portfolio. And of course, it is, it is perpetually evaluated. So it's not just a program that then we, we um, adhere to. It, it, each, each lesson, each appointment um, is then evaluated carefully by the teaching, teachers and the proceeding lesson is based on the evidence that we gathered from the lesson prior to that Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So you are the principal and then you've got teachers who work with you in the different yes. specifics, right? Like piano lessons, yes. ballet lessons. Because I was looking at your website I and mean, you've got dance programs, tennis, debating, yes. um, sailing club, entrepreneurship. I mean, like these are like, like heavy, like it's like, wow. I was like, I was looking at your website and I was just taken back by how inclusive it is of so many different crafts and so many different so when you teach something like entrepreneurship are you you're getting someone who is is uh, i guess versed in that space or someone who teaches sailing or dance is is that what we're, what's happening most definitely and sometimes these pillars actually a given birth because of a professional that I'm working with and I tap into their skills set. So at times that has happened. So it's been an accidental new pillar to La Mer. Otherwise, it's just been, I'm very fortunate to have found wonderful, um, very talented people. We're currently working with the, um, the president of the entrepreneur program at the University of Edinburgh in Scotland. And he's actually helping us to um, support our students and to ensure that we're, we're, um, you know, we're right on the mark with a great curriculum in that regard. And I have wonderful teachers there as well. And I think that, that I am very, very passionate about in 2019. It's something that I think if a child can get, um, have that, have that, 
ability to be able to learn what they'd like to do post-school. It's just a remarkable heads up that they have to their future. Oh, times a million, times a million. If, if, and I know you, um, you operate in Sydney, Australia, but yes. I know there's a lot of listeners who are in the States and I know there's a lot of listeners around Australia that listen to this podcast. If they're listening to this and thinking, I would love my niece, my child, my cousin, my little, to be able to somehow be involved with them or have that free assessment, like is there a way in which they can? Yes, definitely. So our head office is in Dremoyne. We do operate in the eastern suburbs We are in Waverley. We also have the option of um, we've opened up a space of home tuition and online tuition as well this year to ensure that we're not limited to our to our, our physical space and we can reach as many students as we can um, Nationally, yeah. Fantastic. So we can we can actually access your work and your your different spheres of um, specifics via on the online system, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, is there any just for any parent who is who might be asking this question? Is there a major um, drawback from doing this online versus face to face? Um, I think if you would have asked me that question six months ago, I probably would have said yes. Mm. However, the way of the world now, I think it's it really is a gift that we're able to reach people that are so far away and that can only be an, an advantageous um, I guess it's an advantage for us. So mm. I can't um, obviously there is nothing like a face-to-face meeting, but having said that, all material is is given to the child and it is still a face-to-face, a digital one, um, so be it, but at least it's that as an option rather than just not even having the opportunity at all. Sure. And it's interesting because um, I know my sisters and brothers and they really give their, their kids maths and English tuition because that's what the school says, you know, they need to work harder on this or that. Do you guys also provide, I mean, I know you said academia before, but it's specifically maths, it's specifically English because those are the flavours of the century to be good at. Do you guys offer tutoring in that as well? Yes, yes. We actually do start at preparatory years, so at three years old. We have students and parents that have chosen to spend um, to, I guess, provide the opportunity for their, their preparatory student to be with us a day as opposed to in a preschool because, again, they're running an academic portfolio the entire day. So the whole day is personalised. Um, we tap into their likes. I, I believe learning should be fun, it should be exciting, it should be creative, and we, should, we as educators need to delve into students and encourage them to be creative and critical thinkers. And I believe that does start in preparatory years. So we tap into their interests as well. So we have um, preschoolers that may be studying science in a day or if it's history, um, depending on their likes. Um, So all subject areas we cover and, like I said, starting at prep years all the way to year 12. And, in fact, we have um, just started tertiary a couple of um, tertiary students has, have asked for support as well, which mm-hmm. seems to be going well. Fantastic. And when you when we talk about Lemma wellbeing, is do you refer to you yourself being a school or institution? What's the title that you guys give yourself? Yeah, I would say it's a private organisation. So I see us as a private enterprise mm-hmm. um, and a partner to to as many 
um, as many organisations as we can that we where we can enhance whatever it is the service that they're delivering. Mm. Um, for example, we're, yes, we're working in the field of family law as well, where I, I see such a great loophole there with student with with children going through divorce and separation, and there is so much going on with the parents that it becomes very difficult to oversee the needs and to tap into the life of a child. Now, predominantly, the life of a child is their little school life. Mm. And that's where our, I guess, our expertise and our experience of school life can very much benefit and support the needs of these children. Mm-hmm. So you, that's brilliant because family law, that's just looking to assist the child in that transition of the, the separation that's happening in the family. And then you assisting the child in their school every day. Is that what it is? Just getting them to yes, acquainted right. and grounded? How are they going? What's going on in their life? How is it for them at school? And so that's from an academic, we pinpoint their academic loopholes and their well-being as well, just to make sure that they're all, they're moving along smoothly and that obviously they're, they're tra- the transition into their new life, their new family life will be as seamless as possible. Okay. No, okay. What I wanted that, and that's just just brilliant. But what I want to do is I want to go back before twenty sixteen when Lem- first of all, why Lemur? What does Lemur mean? Lemur is the sea. Sorry, Lemur. Sorry, it's okay. <laughs> I'm so not French. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yes. And what does so, it mean? Yeah, I guess for me, the sea is um, it's it just it encapsulates everything of what I think flows flows smoothly flows flows effortlessly. Um, is is perfect in its imperfect way. Mm. So. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. No, it's just interesting how we choose the words we do. I mean, unbox your gift. It's something that means something to me. Le, le, le mer does to yes. you. <laughs> I got it, I got it. I'm getting there. <laughs> so now tell me, I want to go back pre-2016, before Le, le mer started, and I wanted to talk about where you were at because our listeners are going, this is brilliant, Obviously, it's taken a life of its own and it's, it's expanded in a way with, and you've included things that you kind of just, it's happened in the flow of things as the name suggests in Lemur. When you were looking at, when did you think about having an idea like this? Like when was that first idea, like when did it kind of peak for you? Yes, I think whilst I was working at Pimble Ladies College, um, I started to write, and this was in conjunction with my master's, an action research project based on how do we bring well-being into the classroom. So that's how it came about. Uh, during that time, I developed a theory of lear- learning called Create Appreciation of Learning, which is part of our curriculum that we offer to our students. Um, so I think it really was at that point. And then um, henceforth, I created the Lemaire model being a trilogy of nutrition, psychology and education. Um, I wrote a very short book, a manual for, for our students called The Science of Positive Psychology, Student Performance and Wellbeing. And as they say, the rest is history. Wow. So it all started off with your master's? Yes. And what year was that? Yeah, so that was 2015. Oh, my goodness. Apex, yeah. So I studied a little bit before then, but the apex point, I think, where where, um, it was really sinking in (laughs) to Mm -hmm. me, I think it's probably 2014, 2015. So you've got this idea, you've created your own learning system. And by the way, can you talk me through that learning system that you created? 
Yes, create appreciation for learning. Create is an acronym for C, um, communicator, R, researcher, E, um, e evaluator, A, artist, T, technologist, and E, excursionist. So it's, um, I guess it's like that old De Bono's hat, really, where each child is able to wear a different hat each each time they arrive at adolescence. So it could be that they're, for example, the um, the excursionists, they're going to delve into their learning. It may not mean that we take them to Germany if they're studying Germany, but it's about living and breathing Germany in their learning process. Um, uh, and that's why it's referred to So when, when a student comes and do, does the assessment, they will reveal in that assessment whether they are a C and R and E. Is that what it is? Not necessarily. A good question. Um, we try to engage them in each of those aspects of learning and it depends on the learning task at hand. So it's more about developing the lesson and then saying let's tap into technologists for this particular task. And we try to make, make a variety of, of learning experiences for every student. Okay, okay. I could go into this for like a lot deeper, but I've got to stay on track here, okay? <laughs> I've got to stay on track. So it's 2015 and then you've, you've had the idea, you've created your own learning system, Create, and what, and they, what, what has you thinking? So you now know that you need to start something on your own private organisation. Did you think about, like, what comes first? Do you just, like, do you find the students first? Do you find the venue first? Do you create the curriculum first? Like, what, can you tell me what's step one, step two, step three that you did to make it to just a living, breathing organisation? Yes, I think um, advice to an upcoming entrepreneur, I, I would say the following. Um, I think it has to be very gradual and you stay where you are at the time. So if you are working and you're engaged in, in whatever it is, you don't move. You stay there and I guess it eliminates fear because any new change to anyone creates fear. It's just, it's the inevitable. It's like the fear barrier. Mm -hmm. So we want to eliminate that as much as possible. Stay put where you are and in your D spare time, you work hard at developing this new idea. And that helps with this new new idea that you want to bring alive. It, it helps that day job, which obviously isn't really mm. inspiring you um, as much as possible, but it gives you that skip to your step, knowing what you what you are doing as well. I mean, so I think working that's in the daytime and doing this in the evening. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. So you're like Superwoman, like you know, you're Clark Kent in the morning, and then <laughs> you're Superwoman at night, and then like you're you're doing a dual personality. Yeah, you've been there. <laughs> <laughs> and most people listening have been there. So you're doing that. Was that, how long did you, were you working a day job and doing this in the evening for? How long did that go for? Yes, probably about six months. I was fortunate I was able to remove, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. If it has to be a year, I would say that's absolutely fine as well. And I then looked for the location. Mm -hmm. um, again, that is, um, it's just huge. <laughs> there's, especially in Sydney, there's so many places to go. Um, I haven't looked back for a second. I'm very happy with where we are located. And... That again was a very slow process to make that move. Um, there's obviously council regulations and so on that we had to adhere to, which was a very long, laborious pro, um, process. 
And again, I guess that allowed me to buy time to really establish how this was going to come about. And then you have to you have to make that move and you start and you just start gradually. And I think, like I said earlier, for me, the, the slow place, pace was a good thing because there was just so much that we had to do <laughs> and to know how we were going to do it. So, wow. Did yeah. you ever think, okay, I've got the place, there's papers have to happen, things have to be signed, people have to approve. Did you ever think... What if this doesn't, like, what if it doesn't work out? Yes, I think everyone has moments of doubt. I don't have them for very long. I don't think, I think that if, and I would say this to anyone, I think if you have a genuine passion um, coming from a place where the true need is to, to deliver a service and to deliver something that you know is missing in society, there's a loophole. There's, I, I honestly think you can't go wrong. And obviously you do have days of doubt and so on. Mm-hmm. But and if you take small steps, depending on whatever your capacity is financially and I guess and I guess yourself as with resources and support, um, you take only the steps that you can. And um, but I I I think you really have to overcome that doubt as well. There are days where you have to stay to the true vision and look to the point of where you want to be. Did you did you ever think that you would be in a place to of being an entrepreneur? No. Because <laughs> it just kind of happened for you. Like it just kind of just you had to do it. Like it was like a the next logical step for you. That's right. That's right. Yes. I always loved work. Loved to work. Loved to teach. Um, I, like I said, there were I was frustrated with the system, with the curriculum as well. Um, why why are teachers spending their holidays programming? This should be done. Why isn't this already organised? Why isn't this in place? Um, so there was a lot of frustration there. However, I've always been happy to, to work and to be providing a need, um, particularly to students and, and children. Do you have kids yourself, Christina? Yes, I do. I have How twins. many? I've got twins. Two. How old? 11. Oh, okay. So this is really juicy now. Now tell me, as an entrepreneur, as a mum, as a wife, how does you give me a typical day? Like, because you've got like, oh, no, no, no. You got lots of balls up in the air. How does your day look? Like, I'm talking morning from the time, you know, like on average, from the morning you time you wake up to the when you sleep. What's your morning? Do you have a morning routine? Do you have an evening routine? Yes, it has changed somewhat now. I think post ten, okay. <laughs> so it would have been very different prior to ten years old. There is a lot of independence now with my children with Heidi and Mateo they're very independent so what I'm saying happens today definitely didn't happen <laughs> two years ago <laughs> um, so they're very much self-sufficient so the morning for me I try to wake up and do some form of exercise if I can for a short time my children usually get up early as well mm-hmm. so it's that normal it's that love of making lunch for them doing all that preparing helping them make prepare their breakfast mm-hmm. and getting them ready for school um, I now most of the time try to take them to school that didn't always happen Mm -hmm. Um, but at the stage 2019 I try to do that most of the time which is wonderful Mm -hmm. Um, and and evenings are the same as any other mum we have a lot of late nights I have a lot of late finishes Um, however more so this year than other years I think I'm able to free myself a little bit more and and come home and, and do the wonderful cooking for the children and sitting down at the table and eating and mm-hmm. um, just that, that, I think, that gratitude for home. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's that's like so. Are your uh, kids also in Lemur? Lemur, Lemur? Yes, I can't get this. They are. <laughs> it's okay. They definitely are. Yes, it's it's their life. Definitely. Yes. Does it? We, uh, sorry, go on. No, we. I think we have a very strong bond, and they're very much affiliated with all that's happening. And I have to say, I'm very, I'm very fortunate entrepreneur because it is conducive to children. My work, which I often tip my hat to other mums and know how hard it would be for them um, not being able to have their children at work. But I'm so fortunate that they're actually able to be a part of my work, which I think has allowed me to devote so much so much, so much of my time um, yeah. to it as well totally what yeah. is your vision for the work that you're doing like what's the ultimate that you'd like to see you see yourself achieve or reach or for the service to to give i think it's hard to say where it's going to head i think it's um it's quite um surprising to me how things have evolved and had I known from the beginning, I don't think I would have ever thought they would have evolved this way, which is wonderful. However, I guess all I can say is the innate vision really is to try to change the lives of as many children as possible. So, and that's notwithstanding it internationally as well. I definitely have a vision to reach out to children all around the world, <laughs> as cliches. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's not cliched at all. I think it's a testament to the hard work that you've done and the ability that you can see the difference currently that allows you to even project that into the world and say that. I think it's, it's not cliched at all. I also find that one thing about you, I think you're just in your, in speaking to you, Christina, I find that you're a very, and you correct me if I'm wrong, very, um, measured individual patient individual would, would, that, would that be correct yes i guess so because yeah. <laughs> like that's like 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 the cornerstone of being an entrepreneur like you got to be so patient with because everything takes longer than you think isn't it true everything yes. takes longer than the timeline that you had like isn't that like it's, yes. it's a given like everything takes a lot longer and yes. the fact that you know you started in 2016 and it's become so and the reason why i'm saying it's become so huge is because all the programs that you now have because i remember looking at your website i think it was about a year ago and it didn't have entrepreneurship it didn't have debating it didn't have 10 it didn't have a few of those things and now that i'm looking at it it's like in just short space of time so much has evolved which just shows the amount of, I guess, the, the attention and diversity of students that are coming in who are requiring these different skills. Do you teach in the, all the work that you do? Because I've just finished this book called Grit by Angela Duckworth, and it's about how to really be able to feel resilience. Do you teach that in your curriculum, like as a, as a, like a side thing without them knowing or directly teaching them how to have perseverance or grit or, or just staying the course even when you don't feel like it? Yes, yes, we do. A lot of the work around resilience, anxiety. Um, also, we we find a lot girls ha, um, they struggle with being a perfectionist, mm-hmm. and I think um, that comes about quite a lot. So most of the time, that direct, um, I guess, that direct support and service comes by way of a cognitive behavioural therapy 
appointment, which is a one-on-one -on -one intensive, and usually it's an effective time in the morning before the child goes to school. However, having said that, indirectly through our complementary wellbeing classes, resilience can be taught in a yoga class. At times, it's it's um, by way of a positive psychology lesson that they learn. So, absolutely, yes. Whenever we can, I'm a strong believer of, of teaching that in students, and and the pressure that they're under, particularly in secondary years, is incredible. Mm. And they really do have to develop resilience, yes. Mm -hmm. So in terms of yourself, I know that in the work that I do, I'm always in the background trying to challenge myself and upskill myself so that I can do what I do on the foreground. What I'd be loving to know yourself, like do you challenge yourself in the background? Like do you do extracurricular activities or do you do things that scare you so that you can keep the momentum for your own self? Yeah, that's a great question. It really is. I think that's so important to stay inspired as well. Mm. And um, I think a lot of the way that I support myself in that regard is through reading. And um, I think just, I guess, being around like-minded minded colleagues, um, speaking to the right people, not being in environments that's going to um, in any way um, I guess, take me off track. So it's a very, I, I believe I see myself as a very disciplined person. Mm -hmm. And it, it has, um, to some point, I guess, it, it is to the point where of um, where I actually am and, and the people that I speak to as well. I think it all, um, but yes, it, it, it's, um, it's pertinent that as a, I think as an entrepreneur that we do look after that. Mm. Um, I think, yes, very important. When you say you're a disciplined person, because that's another trait of someone who succeeds in entrepreneurship. How did you develop that? Where was that developed in you? Yes. Okay. I, that, yeah. Okay. I was. Quite <laughs> Sorry, I'm going deep. I'm going deep. That's so so true. Because I I think I would have considered myself quite a relaxed person. Just always, you know, last minute things just working out. You know, <laughs> assignments starting the last, the day before and everything, and just it would work out. You can't be that way. And I think it's through just just. Um, the, the tough love of what you know you have to do every day to get through. It's just, you know, that's what you need to do in order to um, to be able to achieve the goals that you want to achieve. So I think it's having the strong vision of your goals to have that picture, paint that picture, um, have that canvas and to know, and then you know yourself the only way to get there. And I think it's, I, I guess it's really the, the Le Maire model within myself. I know bad nutrition will then affect my performance and and if I'm not in the right mindset the psychology I'm not going to be the best version of myself the following day so and the education is I'm, I'm perpetually dedicated to academia as well so um, that's I guess how I see discipline but I mean it's really not a nice word to think that we have to be disciplined I suppose but I think it's more or less keeping to that strong target of your goals and you learn through trial and error what you need to do and what doesn't work each day. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. fantastic. Thank you for that. So if, if someone who wants to be, a, let me ask this straight to the point. If someone who is an adult listening to this, and most people are adults listening to this at the moment, and they're thinking, well, how would I find what I'm truly good at? If an adult is thinking, how do I find my passion, that thing that lights me up, would you have any advice as an educator yourself to an, for yes. an adult? Definitely. I think everyone knows deep within their heart what it is that's important to them. I think sometimes it's subsided because of what 
the people around may think, or it might even be their partner, may they know within themselves their partner may not agree. But I think it's about knowing you yourself and within yourself what it is that's important to you. And it's acknowledging that. And again, as I say, I think if it's from a genuine point with humility and without any any look of um, being competitive, I think, um, and that's another strategy, I think it's very important as an entrepreneur, you never ever need to put on a competitive hat. I think if you stay in the creative zone and just worry about what you're doing, that you're delivering the right service each day, you're sure to win. And so going back to your question, I think if you establish what it is that only we know ourselves, each person is the only one that really knows what means something to them. And I I find it um, unfortunate that there are so many people that have so many gifts and talents to give to the world and I, and, and it's a shame they don't and it, it is because of fear or not being able to bring that out. Um, but I think if you can find that place to think this is not on a um, selfish realm, if you're a mother, you may think it's selfish to take that, that love what you love out and if you learn for what it will give to the world, mm. I think that, that then gives a person the confidence to then be able to do it. I, I believe, um, as speaking as a Christian, that I think that it's only our duty that we give our best to the world each day. Mm. Um, so I think if you're looking at it at that frame frame of mind, I think a lot of um, the outside um, trigger points that would then possibly come in to negate your idea, I think they often subside. Well, yeah. here's, here's a question, Chris. Has a, has a mum or dad ever come dropped their kids off and you know in your heart of hearts, man, they shouldn't be an accountant. Man, they shouldn't be a teacher. Man, you know, and you... <laughs> Have you ever wanted to interfere with the parent and say, listen, let's, let's do an assessment. <laughs> Let me sit you down. <laughs> Let me take you through what you really need to do because this isn't working out for you. Have you ever, but have you ever, I'm being facetious there, but have you ever wanted, have you ever just seen a parent and thought, you know, what the work that you're doing isn't really serving your soul? Like, have you ever felt that for someone? I think not so much, I think, with the parents. I think it, it has happened I think about a week ago, a mum, she, because she was actually listening in on an entrepreneurship class that we had, and she pulled me aside afterwards and she started chatting about her, her ideas. And she said, um, she said, do you know of any coaches for adults? She said, it's, it's really important to me. And she was telling me all of these wonderful ideas. And I was, I, I could see her light up and said, this is magnificent. You have to go with it. Mm. At times, I think that happens more of um, around people that I, I know, I know well, mm. and um, that I speak to, and then I sit down. And I, I will say it as it is, I'll call it as it is and say, this is really what you could be doing. That's wonderful. I think, you know, there's something in that. Yeah, wonderful. Mm. I love that. Would you ever consider being a coach for adults? Like, would you ever want to go into that? that sphere of things that realm yes i have been asked before and and definitely it is an option yes ah, oh because i mean i'm just seeing opportunities for them <laughs> there is just like the sky's the limit really because what i what i really think of lemur is that it's personal development but really um embedded or grounded in the curriculum for students but really to develop them on a personal level beyond what the New South Wales Australian Curriculum for Education is. Would, would that be correct? That's right, yes. Do you ever go, to, go into schools, and this is just an off-topic off thing, do you ever go into schools and think, you, really, you guys really need to, and guys I mean like the state system, you need to just, you know, pull up your socks and just change things around because 
the kids are like just not lighting up and you've got like geniuses in here and we don't know which ones they are because they're not doing well at maths or English or history or geography or whatever the go-to is. And do you ever feel like you want to at one point interject or give your opinion as to how things should slowly but change just as a, as a representative of what you do? Yes, yes, definitely. Time and time again, even at the, the best of the best ranked schools in the country. Yes, mm. definitely. I feel, and there's no judgment there because I felt it myself as a teacher looking in on myself in a classroom and even a smaller classroom of 20 thinking, oh, I'm really not doing what I know I can be doing. It's, mm. And it is, it's the school institution itself. It's, it's, um, it's impossible to be able to drive 20, 30 portfolios, um, IEWPs every day. So, and it has to start at the top. The issue is where is the top? Because mm. even as a principal of a school, they are, they are under so much pressure um, to follow mandatory practices and policies. And even at that top of the school there, they're perhaps unable to say, okay, let's give every student an IEWP. Mm. Um, in a utopia world, that would that would be amazing. And and I would I believe teachers would probably work less. It would, it would not be a, a, any extra work for them because I think they're working tirelessly and tirelessly. Mm. Um, it's like, you know, where are they getting? That's, yeah, which, 100%. again, no judgment. No judgment. Uh, yeah, no, totally good. And the reason why I bring it up is because I had a student come to me who had, was in her fifth year of law school and she said to me, um, I don't want to be a lawyer when I graduate. I said, so why did you do law? She said, well, I went to one of the best you know, schools in terms of not money-wise, in terms of marks, they get the highest marks in the state. And so I got into law and so I got the marks for them. But I don't want to do law. And I thought if she had gone to someone like yourself who could have just unraveled inside her, find what was that thing that lights her up, that would have just taken... Rumi says part of knowing is what to know knowing what to ignore part of knowing is knowing what to ignore and that speaks hugely to our passion that when you know what's the distraction you won't give time there won't be a shiny object syndrome where you're looking for the shiny things because they take your your peripheral vision but you just stay like you have on target to really achieving and what i find most superb about what you're doing is because you're a living example of finding that thing that lights you up and teaching students to find that thing that gives them that same I guess, illumination, that's the, that, that gives their soul a, a reason to belong. And, yes. and that, that I think you, just your example, is the strongest thing for Lamont, just you being who you are because you're not someone saying do this, eat well, and then you're not eating well or exercise, but then you're not exercising or, you know, try and improve yourself, but then you're not doing it. You know, you are actually walking the talk. Like you're doing what you need to do. And so my last and final question to you, Christina, is if you had to do all of this again, and it's only been a short amount of time, but if you could do it all again, would there anything that you would change or improve for someone who is listening who wants to maybe start their own thing like you have? Is there anything that you would do differently in the journey? Um, what would I do differently? Let me think. Going back. Um, I guess I could say to make sure that you have a very... Um, good strong support group of people where you're talking the ideas out even with friends I don't think I so much did that as much as talking to my professional affiliates I think I, I would say it'd be lovely to chat it out at dinner 
talk about the ideas and, and getting the ideas. And I think that that in itself, you're ticking the boxes of um, review um, and brainstorming what will work just through involving your nearest and dearest. Mm -hmm. Yes. Beautiful. A lot of value in that. Thank you. Well, Christina, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you, getting to know your work and getting to know the difference that you are your making, that you've turned this beautiful passion of education into a profession for yourself. So thank you kindly. Thank you so much, Rita. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, thank you very much for listening to the Unbox Your Give podcast. We will be back with another episode tomorrow. Till then, life is a gift. Let's unbox it.